Well, because the clinic room is on the back of the house and it has its own entrance, there is an element of when I close the door on it, I close the door on it. I think it's even more important when you work from home that you actually do set those sort of clear boundaries. Don't worry that constant of like, oh, you know, how am I going to get more business in? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Because sometimes you just need to sit on things and let them work themselves out and be realistic. You know, just because you've got your license and your membership from the British Acupuncture Council and your insurance is all in place and you've got this amazing clinic space, doesn't mean to say that people are going to phone you straight away. You've just got to hold your own and be sure that it will work out okay. Welcome to Acupuncture West London, the podcast. This is the podcast for students, practitioners, and enthusiasts of classical Chinese philosophy, Chinese medicine, and acupuncture. I'm your host, Ben Carrigan, coming to your ears all the way from London. So join me as we dive deep down the rabbit hole of Chinese philosophy and into the very concepts that inform our practice. Each episode focusing on a specific topic and its application within a clinical setting. This episode is brought to you courtesy of our brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. What are Yin and Yang? What are the laws of Yin and Yang? And how are they used as defining principles for our very existence? To answer these questions and more, download your free copy at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. Welcome to episode five. So today we're continuing with part two of my conversation with Rachel Marks of Oak Ridge Acupuncture. As part of our A Year in Business series, Rachel is talking us through a year in business and setting up her own practice from home. In part one of our conversation, or episode four, we discussed factors in deciding to set up a home clinic, the considerations of running a clinic from home, the pros and cons of setting up and working from a home clinic, evaluating your market, researching other practitioners within your locale, pricing and the importance of backing yourself online. So things like building your website and creating an online presence, social media, search engine optimization or SEO, backlinks and lots more. We discussed building a network of patients from scratch, the importance of networking online and offline, advertising, but particularly having realistic expectations and being true to yourself. If you haven't checked out part one, I suggest you go back and check out episode four. There's lots of great stuff in there. Okay, let's get stuck into part two. I hope you enjoy it. So let's talk very briefly about GDPR compliance. Uh So what I was going to say was we're not experts on GDPR compliance. So the best thing probably is for people to look this up online. Absolutely. Because uh, yeah. I'd be afraid to say something about this and to be misinterpreted or to misinterpret something myself. Yeah, sure. You know, I've had people help me set up to make sure I'm compliant. People just need to make sure from their own perspective. Yeah, and, and I think the British Acupuncture Council actually have a wealth of information out there. And I know that they have uh, GDPR guidelines. Okay, that's good. I didn't realise they had them on the site, so that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, they have guidelines that, you know, that you can look at. It's all these little legal things that you need to be really aware of, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. Because I know there's, uh, you can have paper copies, you know, I guess, for example, you can have them in filing cabinets as long as they're locked, or you can have encrypted files on a computer or something, but there are, there are guidelines for that and they're strict. And then there's the other aspect of your sharing files between practitioners. You need to, 
you know factor that in because you can't have people's names on things yeah so i guess you have to put codes in the files to replace any of their data yeah and also i think you have to um maybe it's going off the gdpr a little bit but also you know that telling your patients what you're going to do with their information yeah that's very important yeah so so when my patients come in i do have uh, a form that i ask them to um to sign and on it, it will say things like, you know, I don't share any of your information with any third parties unless I um, contact you and, and ask for your permission. You know, I am old school. Everything I have is paper files. So, yeah, so as you can imagine, I'm in a locked, I'm in that locked cabinet sort of scenario. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's lots of things on that on that consent form, uh, you know. So I, there was a little bit about what I do with their information on there, which I think is really important. Yeah. It is important. I, I have the same. I'm quite clear on my intake sheet exactly what that data is going to be used for and that I don't share it with anybody else. Um, and even things like I have a box that people can tick if they want the newsletter, because sometimes yeah. you have a box where they say, tick this box if you don't want to receive the newsletter. And that even when I see that on people's newsletters, it kind of annoys me because it's. I think it's better for people to tick it and have the option to sign into something as opposed yeah. to be signed in by default in a way for something like that. Yeah. People get contact from you and they they say, I didn't sign up for this. So it's important that people know exactly what, yeah. what their information is going to be used for. Definitely. It comes back to that trust thing. If you're sending them, using their information to send them stuff or do whatever, uh, you can break people's trust very easily and make them yeah. feel like you're serving your own interests and not theirs. Um, yeah. very important yeah i think the housekeeping part is really important so yeah i, I get my patients to sign a form I and mean, there's lots of things on there from cancel like what my cancellation terms are to you know what the gdpr is to the you know yeah that's a good thing to touch on actually is cancellation policy um, and yeah. because i am quite strict about my cancellation policy because i kind of feel well if i've got a slot or whatever and someone just doesn't show up i mean i'll, I'll always reschedule them if they have a reason you know, or if they, mm -hmm. if they call me, I tend to try and be as, uh, as That's, understanding as possible. Mm -hmm. But if people don't show, I'm fairly ruthless about enforcing That's it. That's interesting. What would your take be on that? Well, I do have a cancellation policy, but again, I'm a little bit old school. So um, I don't have on my website, there is a form that you can fill out on my website to contact me. I don't have the book now um, facilities. I don't have that where you can schedule a, your own appointment with me. You have to make mm -hmm. contact with me because oh, okay. I am one of those people that I like to have a conversation. You know, I like to phone, you know, if somebody fills out my online form and says, you know, I've got, I don't know, I keep, I'm suffering from migraines and can you help me? Then, um, you know, they have to fill out a telephone number and an email address. So I yeah. will make contact with them. So I phone them and say, oh, tell me more. What seems to be the problem? And I really, really like to have that. I have to have a conversation with people. So I don't have any of this. You can book your own thing. They have to book through me because we've had that conversation. And also I feel like I'm making that personal relationship with them from the offset. And if they don't like, you know, if they, I'd never say, you know, you must have an appointment. But, is it, you know, after that conversation, I said, well, would you like to then book an appointment? Do you, you know, I would like to try and help you with this or whatever. So, and touch wood, my cancellation policy has not had to be enforced. That's great. Because I think I've already made that contact. We've had a conversation. I send them an email. I say, oh, I'm going to send you this great big long email. Um, sorry about that, but it's going to tell you where to find me, where to park, 
you know, um, what you need to wear, what to expect, how to pay, you know, um, when to come, you know, don't come unless you're, because I don't have a waiting room, don't come five minutes before your appointment, hmm. you know, uh, all of these sorts of things. Um, and because I, I talked to them about that before their appointment, I said, oh, I know it's really housekeeping thing, but it then makes them feel more obliged to turn up. So I've touched wood, yeah. I've not actually had anybody who's made an appointment and not turned up yet. That's really interesting. It comes back to that personal touch as well. And I suppose being your clinic being at home, yeah. you know, you want to have that connection with someone. If they're coming into your home as well, Absolutely. you want to get a sense of somebody. That's so important. Yeah. And and, and, and ongoing patients, you know, if they then, you know, and of course, of course, you give them expectations, you know, when they say, oh, well, I've had this pain in my arm for the last six months. Oh, well, you know, how old are you? You know, da, 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 da. Yeah. you know, this is not unlikely to be treated with one just one appointment it's it's just sort of setting it's almost like setting the scene of a play isn't it you're setting this scenario of how things might pan out and where you're going and you know what their expectations are so that when they arrive they are already quite clued up about where you're going and what's going to happen yeah um, and yeah I've, I've not had to enforce my cancellation policy with any of my other patients because when they come for the first time it, you know they get off the bed and I say well you know, I think you would benefit from having another treatment or would, would you like to book one now? Um, so I tend to do that. Uh, yeah, people, of course, things happen in people's lives and they phone up and say, I'm really sorry, Rachel, I can't make today's appointment because I've had a phone call from the school and one of my kids is sick and I've got to go pick them up. And of course, that's absolutely fine. Let's reschedule. That's not a problem. And I wouldn't enforce the cancellation on something like that. Yeah. Um, but also, no, Absolutely. I would be really strict if I had someone who was constantly rescheduling mm -hmm. rather than cancelling. <laughs> I think yeah. I would, you know, I would probably gently steer them um, out of the clinic at some point because that, that constantly rescheduling is as bad as a cancellation, isn't it? So Yeah, it can be really exhausting, can't it? Yeah. When I was starting out last May or June, I remember there were times where I was driving into clinic to see one patient. And you kind of turn up and you get the room ready and then someone would call like five minutes before to mm. go, oh, you know, I can't make it. Sorry. You kind of have to let them off because it's like, well, they should give 24 hours notice. But it's that thing where they're, they're assuming that you're you're back to back. Do you know what I mean? And so you have to give certain people some leeway. But then I had a, another guy who didn't show up twice. So the second time I sent him an invoice and, and, yeah. and he paid it. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. is fine. Yeah. And you don't actually want to encourage those people. I think it's that way up, isn't it, between do I want to encourage this person to come back? Because things happen in lives where, you know, we've all had that where we've gone, oh, my gosh, you know, yeah. something's happened and I've got to I've got to reschedule or cancel um, against those that just uh, are habitual people where they just don't turn up for stuff, you know. Yeah. And those aren't necessarily the patients that I one of the things that i do have though is i have a booking system in place so people can book online uh -huh. but with that comes confirmation emails and reminder emails which i send out 24 hours before and since i've had that in place you know i think it's 29 pounds a month i pay for that right. um, yeah. for that whole system but apart from doing my sort of accounts for me and my you know sending the emails out and everything's sort of automated um it really uh, you know i really haven't had any cancellations since or no shows you know yeah. i think i maybe had one in six months which is you yeah. know so for that you know although people who are getting going think god this is an unnecessary cost it really has 
save me a huge amount of time. So it's kind of paid for itself. You know, things like Clinica or Timely or there's, there's a, a number of free scheduling software things. Maybe you can use Calendly or things like that. Yeah. Well, I'm all just so old school. I don't actually use, I've still got a paper diary. Do you? Good stuff. And I, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I've got a paper diary. I know, God, you know, which century did I come out from? I've got a paper <laughs> diary. And, but I do use, I do use a calendar on my computer, actually. Um, okay. So moving on to something like accounting and tax returns, which is uh-huh. really fun, obviously. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the area that I just, I die a little inside when I even say those words. <laughs> But do you, I mean, obviously you have a little bit of experience with this, um, but do you have anything in place to help you with this or have you gone down this road yet? Yeah, yeah, I have put in my tax return for uh, 19 to 20. Uh, you can submit it, can't you, any time after, I think it was the 5th of, 5th of April through to now the, if you're doing it online to the 31st of January, is it? So you're organised, I'm very impressed. Well, um, <laughs> it's only because <laughs> I, I have run a business before from home, but I have been self-employed before. And yeah. uh, I just, it's one of those things that is much easier to manage if you are just on it. So I put it in at the end of April, when most people are still not even contemplating it because if there's any problems, i fall into that bracket just for the record <laughs> yeah, it's it's much easier to get it sorted over the yeah. you know preceding six months than it is on the i don't know two days before your tax returns due well it's like christmas presents isn't it yeah you always think of buying christmas presents like oh i'll buy them in august and i'll be all yeah. set and you know you'll go to some online distributor and be all organized and then suddenly it's like the 24th of <laughs> december and you hear oh god yeah. not again it's about the only thing that I am super organised over. I will say so. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I do, I do do that. And yeah, there, there is a nice little smug feeling inside when you've done it. Let's be honest. Just go, yeah, good idea. I, I live for that smug feeling, so that's good. I must, I must get on that right away. Um, <laughs> but because, because, and because acupuncture is the only thing that I have to, uh, you know, I don't, I don't work anywhere else. I don't have any other income. It, acupuncture is, is, is the only thing that I'm employed at. So my tax return actually is really, really simple and I do do it myself. And I, Great. <laughs> and you say, do I have any tools to help with that? Yeah, it's just a good old fashioned spreadsheet. Oh, really? That's yeah. all it is. What comes in and what goes out and this is what profit I'm making and then I'm rolling over to the next month. And, and um, actually, if you do that, it's actually really, really simple. It is. It took okay. me uh, it took me less than an hour to do my tax return this year. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's it's good. because I, I I already knew what boxes to fill out from you know being self employed yeah. before. It is just a process, isn't it? It's, Once you've done it, you know. Don't be frightened of it. Yeah. It's 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 absolutely fine. Um, yeah. You have all the information. Like, uh, say for instance, if you do have a pace job that you actually have your tax taken out already from. My understanding is that you get a P60, don't you, at the end of the year, I think, um, mm-hmm. at the end of the tax year. And all you do is you use that P60, some of your information as well. So you, this is where I work normally, da-da-da-da-da, and this is what I do as self-employed. And then the tax office will be in, in touch with you to tell you what additional tax you need to pay. I did a tax course with the tax, with the inland revenue. <laughs> it's all oh, coming out now. Gosh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Hold on to your seats, guys. It's really exciting. <laughs> um, so they were doing, this is going back years when I was self-employed previously and had my own little business from home. Um, yeah, they, they did a, a free day where you could learn how to fill out your tax return as a self-employed person. And I did it. 
It was free, you know, love that word. Great, free. It's a free, free tool. I don't have to pay an accountant to do it for me. So let me let me just do it for free, which I did. And they it was brilliant. It was a really good day and a really good course. I don't know if they still do them, but it gave me the confidence to say I can actually do my own tax return. And you know, the tax office again, they don't want you to be caught out. They want, you know, they are there on the end of the phone if you can get through. Yeah. You know, to say, oh, you know. I'm not really sure what I need to put in this box or that box. And they will hold your hand through it. Yeah. They've been quite good, actually, because I've called them a few times um, for help. And, you know, there's always that slight feeling of terror that you're going to say something that's going to dig you into some massive hole. But they're they're, they're always very helpful and explain things very clearly. Yeah. 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 Um, So, okay, let's let's move on to something I wanted to ask you about, which is because my last career when I was working in music, I often yeah. worked from home. I know that I used to struggle with putting barriers in place so I could divide my spare time with my work time. Mm-hmm. So have you found a way to do that? Or are there any self-care tips that you have that you can talk about? Yeah, well, um, well, because the clinic room is on the back of the house and it has its mm-hmm. own entrance, uh, there is an element of when I close the door on it, I close the door on it. Yeah. So, of course, there are things like all of us, you know, we might be sitting down having dinner with our family and all of a sudden this little idea pings into your head. Um, and I don't think that that, you know, of like, oh, actually, for that person, I might have, have I thought about that, that and that. And then I might go, okay, I'm just going to go off everybody whilst it's still fresh in my head to go and look something up. But, yeah, I think I'm quite good at sort of separating the the businessy side of it. Yeah. Because I do think the two can go hand in hand. You can be really, you can have good business acumen and be a really good, caring, compassionate therapist. I don't think, Absolutely. You, know, you know. I dress as well in a uniform. So I do actually wear a, a, a proper clinic tunic and I wear um, some clinic trousers so that when I do go into the clinic, I am in my mindset of I am going to be treating people today and this is what I'm going to be doing. Hmm. And I think that's super important. Yeah. So I have a, a it, it sets me up in the right mindset. I'm going to, you know, I put my hair up and do what I need to do. I go into the clinic, make sure everything's as it is before my first patient of the day, just make sure that I'm grounded and that everything's, you know, in place and clean. And, you know, I've done all the care that I need to do cleaning wise my clinic yeah. and um and yeah i think i've then put on maybe some soft music or something depending on my mood of the day if i think i need a bit of energizing i'll put something yeah. on that's a bit more energetic if i think i need i'm a little bit woo in my head i'll put something a little bit more grounding on and i just spend a few minutes in the clinic getting involved in my space and i find that that really works for me yeah it's true because when i used to work from home as i was saying i used to find that if I got up in the morning, I couldn't just go straight into a room um, and and start work. I had to, you know, do the usual, have a shower, put on clean clothes, but I always had to put on my shoes because I didn't feel like I was working unless <laughs> I had my shoes on, yeah. which was kind of funny because um, my wife, Annette, has uh, has this thing where she doesn't like people wearing shoes in the house. So I had a pair of house shoes. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. So for me, it's like, I don't feel like I'm working if I'm in slippers or you know, I mean, no one's going to see me all day, so I could be in my pajamas or anything, but I have to feel like I'm going to work. And sometimes yeah. that might even just be going out the front door and coming back in again. Yeah. Um, actually, going back to what you were saying about, you know, writing notes or going off and looking at something yeah. during dinner, 
I often find I have a little piece of paper beside the bed or, you know, um, mm-hmm. so because often I wake up at 3 a.m., you know, the witching hour and have an idea about <laughs> something. And I find it hard to go back to sleep if I'm not able to put it down on paper. So I might just write a little note or even just do a squiggle or something yeah. just so that it reminds me in the morning uh, I, I of, of whatever I do. And it's important. But then mm-hmm. sometimes it's um, you might look at that you know what you've written in the morning go oh, i don't really i don't know what i was thinking yeah, or whatever but yeah. sometimes you can think actually no that's really that's really interesting i must i must think about that further interestingly i've always done that even before acupuncture you know i i've always had a pen and notepad in my bedside drawer so that in the middle of the night if there's something in particular that either i i need to get out of my head and down on paper i find that is so therapeutic for me um, or even if it's just, you know, it's those stupid things like, oh my gosh, you know, I must remember to put, I don't know, breakfast cereal on the shopping list. You know, that'd be the thing that will wake me at three in the morning. Yeah. I've been the same. I have to put it down. It's like I'm holding it until I yeah. put it down on paper. Yeah. It can be really exhausting, you know, when you feel like you're trying to remember something and you probably won't forget it anyway. No. <laughs> um, but it's just, you just get it down on paper and then you can move oh, on yeah. or go back to Do you sleep. think that might be a spleeny earthy type thing? I think it might be spleen and earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those listeners out there, we're both spleen and earth in the stems and branches uh, context. So uh, yeah, look it up. <laughs> it's too long an oh, episode to go yeah, into yeah, now. Yeah, let's not get into that. One thing I was going to say hmm. was just about separating work life hmm. from home life. Because I found that I was starting to get emails and phone calls and out of hours texts and whatnot, whether it be on WhatsApp or Facebook or all sorts of mediums that I didn't even think people would contact me on, really. Um, I have become quite militant in never responding to work emails or phone calls out of hours. So I have an autoresponder set up for emails and for WhatsApp and whatnot, um, just because it can sound a little bit harsh, but I feel it's important to set clear boundaries. Absolutely. Um, I agree. Not just for your patients, but for, for me yeah. as well, because I know that if someone texts me on a Sunday, I will think about it on a Sunday, but I don't want to think about it on a Sunday because I want to spend that time with, with yeah. Annette because otherwise I'll go into work on Monday and be exhausted. Yeah. And uh, everyone needs that no, time you out. definitely, yeah. And I think it's even more important when you work from home that you actually do set those sort of clear boundaries. Like I say, I always close the clinic Absolutely. door. I don't respond to emails. It, again, it really does depend. I might read them or I might just send a very, very short one back just saying, um, thanks for your email. You know, I've acknowledged it, but, I'll, you know, I, I'll be in touch with you um, on Monday. Monday morning, I'll give you a little call or something just... Just so they know you've acknowledged it, but without going into any sort of detail. Um, so, yeah. And, and again, it depends, again, on, on where I'm at. Because, yeah, having uh, run a business from home before, I, I used to find being in events, you know, you're dealing with I most of my patient, patients, most of my clients were, were brides. So, um, and the run up to a wedding, you would be getting all sorts of texts and and messages like at three o'clock in the morning because they'd obviously woken up worried about something and they just need to get it out you know so you know the, I found that the, the boundaries for this have been easier than the boundaries I had for that previous right season, yeah no well that's it and it does take its toll on you mm-hmm. I think you, you can really burn yourself out if you'd never have that chance to switch off so it's important to make clear boundaries but also I remember in the first few months of setting up my clinic where you feel like you have a few patients and you feel like you really need to nurture them. You know, there's that temptation of if I don't respond, I'll lose them or they'll go somewhere else. But you kind of have to hold your ground with that. 
because if you set that up from the start where you're responding on a Sunday or at 10 o'clock at yeah. night, I just feel it's a, it's a slippery slope. We both know that we want to be the best possible practitioners we can be. And I love treating people. We are a business Absolutely. as well. And so we have to have professionalism. Yeah. And I don't think we ever should uh, apologize for being a business as well, because I think that's something that us practitioners can, we can forget very easily that we're a business or that we're trying to make our own living or that we're working in that capacity. Yeah, so I think it's important to, to remember that too. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and uh, I don't think there's anything wrong in having those boundaries for sure for, uh, you know, I am quite strict about that sort of thing, but it, it depends on the patient because if it's one of my long-standing patients, um, you know, I do have a few patients that have been with me almost from the start and I've got mm. to know them really well over the last year. Uh, and if they're contacting me at 10 o'clock at night, it's it, it could be a very different reason for, say, another patient. So I think it, you know, it depends on who the patient is as to how I potentially would respond. But um, yeah. But then, you know, my long-standing patients aren't the type of patients unless it's really urgent to do that sort of thing at 10 o'clock at night, you know? So I guess um, you've been in practice about 12 yeah. months now. So have you any pitfalls that may have uh, occurred that may be useful for new practitioners to be aware of or to look out for or any lessons that you've learned? Ooh, um I, th I think you've got to really just be one true to yourself and just be confident that you are in this place that is going to take you to other amazing places. And it's not, I think I would say, don't worry of that constant of like, oh, you know, how am I going to get more business in? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Um, because sometimes you just need to sit on things and let them work themselves out and be realistic, I guess, you know, just because yes. you've got your license and your membership from the British Acupuncture Council and your insurance is all in place and you've got this amazing clinic space doesn't mean to say that people are going to phone you straight away you've just got to hold your own and be sure that it will work out okay um, and it's so important as well because I remember when we graduated there's that sense of almost like knowing what you don't know but forgetting what you do and we've all been studying for say three years or however yeah. long we, we all know so much you know to a level that we do work off our instincts and we can treat people well yeah. but there still can be that lack of confidence and particularly in a, a situation where a patient says how many treatments do i need for this <laughs> you know which is the famous yeah. one and it is a how long is a piece of string yeah. question and that can only come with experience it's not something that you can you know say oh well this will take five treatments or whatever so you do kind of have to manage people's expectations yeah. and say well I think that's let's try yeah. three treatments and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll have a discussion at the end of that or something like that and also I remember even in our final exams last year or, or the year before where you have things like you're trying to juggle so much information in terms of diagnosis and you're you know looking at the abdomen and skin color and people's nails and then the pulses <laughs> and then the case history and I, I, you just totally spin yourself out and i think the best advice i've ever got uh, and everyone will have different ways of looking at it but um a guy the my, my sort of guru that i work with who's been working for 35 years every single time without question that i've gone to him and said oh well this person has this and this this he only asked me one question. So I've actually almost stopped asking at this point. He just says, what does the pulse say? Mm. So sometimes you just need to bring it back to really back to the basics. And if the, the pulse is racing or whatever, you know, sometimes you don't need to feel all the qualities 
at that particular moment. If it's racing and they're lying down, you know there's heat. So, you know, focus on that. And just, you know, you don't need to fix this person in one. Yeah, you don't, you can't fix someone in one treatment or very rarely. So bring it back to basics, try and clear that heat and then go, okay, well, once I've done this, then I'll move on to the next thing. And I think that was the best lesson I learned in my first year was just to to trust that that kind of instinct. Okay, let's just take the pulse. Yeah, and and also, yeah, just trust, yeah, yeah, just trust yourself because I, I remember Deborah saying, you know, always bring it back to basics. If you're not sure, just bring it back to basics. Is it yin? Is it yang? You know, so back to the eight confirmations and just go, oh, okay. And I still remind myself of that. You know, I do remind myself of that on a regular basis Mm. because sometimes you can see these things and you could actually make up this story and it can be really a very good story. But actually, when you look at it in very basic terms, there are things that you've missed or you've overcooked. Yeah. And um, and it's sometimes the simplest, isn't it? The simplest treatments are the ones that work the best. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it really, it really is. Because yeah. I remember in clinic, I used to, I'd have like five different ideas or yeah. 20 points that I wanted to use. And now I think the best treatments I've done are probably where I might use three needles. Yeah. You know, and you do have people who come in and kind of go, is that it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Only three needles. But you'll go, well, it's a clear message to the body. And you want, you want it to be a clear message because if you're letting them lie on the couch like Hellraiser with, you know, 50 yeah. needles sticking out of their head or their body or whatever, it's sending mixed messages, um, you know, I mean, theoretically speaking. And it's difficult. And even coming back to the yin and yang thing, which, you know, we've discussed <laughs> this before, has always been an issue for me because I remember in clinic, I used to get totally tied up in knots about yin and yang deficiency or which one to treat. But it's it's never quite that simple because, as I touched on in the last episode, uh, yang creates yin and yin supports yang, and neither can exist without That's the right. other. So if you feel it's yang deficiency, then work on yang, um, and one will have an effect on yeah. the other. And if you're wrong, they might feel worse, and then you go, okay, well now I've learned something. You know, we can't be perfect with every no. treatment. It has to be a learning process all the way. Yeah. Another thing I would say is like when you're working on your own. I don't have officially a mentor, but I think in early practice, it's really good to have someone, whether that's online or whether it's someone that you are working alongside, um, that that yeah. actually can be that can be that mentor for you. Um, you know, working on my own, that's the one thing that I would say that I probably miss. So I listen to quite a few podcasts and I listen to, um, you know, I'm often re- reading my notes um that we learned when we were in uni because you know there's such a wealth of information but it's still not the same as having somebody that you could potentially go down the corridor to i'm still emailing uh, our tutors that we had in icom quite frequently and bothering them with various questions (laughs) because you know and even um in clinic i ask questions quite a lot and it does one of two things it either teaches me something knew that I go, oh, that's interesting. Or else often it can have the effect of just confirming something that you knew already, but you just kind of may have doubted or maybe put somewhere else in the back of your mind or, you know, so yeah, it's a real benefit for Mm. confidence and for learning. So I guess the last question I wanted to ask you was, I guess we have to touch on it with the times we're living in, how COVID-19 has affected your practice so, and I can only talk from my own personal experience on this, but yeah, I mean, I was devastated that, and, and it was the right thing to to close my clinic. But also by that time, when was that? At the beginning of March, was it? 
I think it was the 23rd of March, I think, was when we went into lockdown. 23rd of March. So, yeah, so March for me was already quite a quiet month. Mm. I think already people, I know like some of my elderly patients, you know, they're over 70. They were already shielding, weren't they, two weeks before the rest of us were yeah. expected to, to, to go into some sort of lockdown. So some of my patients had already started to tail off and already I was getting a little bit... Um, twitchy i suppose on some of my patients that had some long-term medical conditions you know uh so so really when we were said no definitely you know we need to you know stop treating it in some respects it was a it was a real shame but also it was a little bit of relief that someone had actually taken that responsibility away from me yeah um i don't know how other people would feel but that that sort of it was like okay and then I spent a, probably about four weeks of fallout of thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to get my clinic back up and running? You know, I've been going for, what, nine months at that point, probably. Yeah. And it was starting to gather some sort of momentum as well. You know, I, I've had to hold the faith that it's going to be OK. Um, there will be some of my patients that will come back and there'll be some patients that won't. And... And that new patients will come through. I do feel like I might be starting at the beginning again, but I, but it's not really, you know. Those those are all my down days of oh no, hands in head. Yeah. Oh, I'm starting all over again. But actually, you know, I'm not starting again. Um, and I suppose the only um, thing that I take some solace in is that we're all in this yeah. together. You know, I've always sort of kept in touch with, you know, the British Acupuncture Council guidelines and Public Health yeah. England. But regardless of what they said, I kind of decided myself yeah. that I was going to close the mm -hmm. clinic and make these decisions on a weekly basis on what we feel is right for ourselves yeah. and for our patients. And there's still a lot we don't know. But um, I guess that the thing is working from home must have a little bit. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but because the room is there and it's in the house, that must be a little bit of a relief uh, just in comparison with, you know, like a, one of the clinics I was working in is, is shut now because of the the overheads yeah. i think we're just too too great for a new clinic in its first year to to get through yeah. you know I, I agree i mean i'm in a fortunate position that my my clinic space is in my house so uh other than obviously paying a little bit on the mortgage you know it really it it's it hasn't impacted me in the ways of thank goodness I didn't have a shop front, you know, I think to myself, Crikey, if I had a high street mm. clinic. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I've actually, in some respects, quite enjoyed it because, you know, when we finished last year after uh, studies, you know, I felt like I was on a different treadmill. You know, I got off of one treadmill onto another treadmill of trying to get my clinic up and running and get my business going. And I don't think I took into consideration actually the amount of energy I'd actually spent on just the study. And I think, you know, you get back on this other, you know, a step from one treadmill onto another and uh, and the, the anxieties seem to follow, if that makes sense, you know. And uh, so um, they're just new anxieties. Am I going to get patients? And once it was all taken away from me and I'd actually got over that slightly grieving process of I actually really missed treating people and my business was just getting going and I realised that actually I'm in quite a good position. 
I have been very kind to myself. I've done lots and lots of things that I've wanted to do. My garden is looking the best it's ever looked. Great. And all the things that I really love, like walking, I do, do a lot of walking, so I just do more of that. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's been okay. And, and I'm just, yeah, there's part of me that actually has quite enjoyed it because it's forced me to take stock. Mm. When really I maybe should have done that last summer. I could totally relate to that. So if there's another little bit of advice for new practitioners is if you are in that position, which I know is a fortunate position of you don't have to get on the new treadmill straight away. Don't because I don't think you realise or you don't appreciate actually how much physically and mentally and emotionally your body has been through. Um, I totally agree. So I feel like I've done a, I've done some recovery, <laughs> if that makes sense, over the last few weeks. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just... Do you know, I'm totally, totally agree with you. I think for me, um, I remember, when was it? Was it March 2019 we handed in our yeah, dissertations? And uh, I think I had cold sweats for about six months <laughs> after that at night time. <laughs> and dreams of like, you know, not getting in on time and just the, the sense of trauma about the whole thing. Um, but it takes its toll. So although it's quite stressful for everyone at the moment, I think you can't do anything else but just try and take the time out, which is, yeah. you know, it's easy for me because I am I quite like being at home and I quite like my own space, but, you know, it can be quite confrontational as well for others yeah. and affects everyone in different yeah, ways. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've, I've been really fortunate, you know. I, um, you know, I, I don't have a young family. My fun family are all uh, teenagers and young adults, so... Mm. You know, apart from my my son having to um, do some school, you know, his schoolwork, and he's super motivated at doing that anyway. Luckily, you know, I feel very fortunate actually that I, that this has happened to to us or in in this time of my life, rather than you know, if I'd had three kids under five, which would have been a you know potential nightmare actually, yeah. or you know, trying to run my clinic from home with little kids and you know, being furloughed and all those sorts of things, you know, it must be horrendous, really, really stressful. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so happy you came on the show and we've been chatting for quite a while. Now. <laughs> I've asked you lots of questions. That's all right. And uh, yeah, it's been lovely speaking to you. And yeah, I've really enjoyed the process. Okay. So before we wrap up today's episode, as I've mentioned previously, one of the key components of our podcast is to hear your feedback and to receive your questions. Again, I'm so happy that so many of you are continuing to get in touch and that you're asking such great questions. So let's get stuck into a few more of these. Josh got in touch to say that it'd be great to do an episode or a series clarifying the key differences between classical Chinese acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. So I'll definitely have a think about doing this over the next couple of weeks and how I might be able to put this together. It's a really great question. One of the things I will say ahead of time, though, is that I'm not going to be pitting one against the other. They're both great modalities of treatment, perhaps just with a slightly different format. Different cars with the same engine, perhaps. Josh also said that he loved our first episode on yin and yang, and among other things, it had helped inspire him to hopefully take the plunge and study acupuncture. So this is actually, for me, this is the ultimate compliment and is really the most humbling thing to hear. So I'm really grateful for you sharing that, Josh. Thanks. Next, Jenny got in touch asking about the best options for managing clinic bookings, accounts, patient notes, etc. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, 
I bit the bullet pretty early on into setting up my clinic last year, and I signed up for an online platform called Clinico. I've actually never looked back, to be honest. It's £29 a month, which I know can seem like a lot when you're starting up. But in all honesty, the amount of time you save with accounts, booking and changing appointments, confirmation and reminder emails or texts, um, it pays for itself 10 times over. And you can then put that time into other things. So it's really about what you think your time is worth. There are a number of free options like Calendly or something along those lines. But again, it comes back to that old adage, you get what you pay for. There are also other paid options like I mentioned Clinico, there's Timely, Acuity Scheduling, 10 to 8, Set More and loads of others. In regards to taking credit card payments, sending out payment links to patients, etc. There are also a load of other options out there too. Personally, I use iZettle as the card reader looks slicker and it's more sturdy than the others I've used. Others I've used in the past are PayPal here and SumUp, but I didn't really like these as much, but that's just my personal opinion. The good news is that many of these options offer free trials or discounts for signing up. To get these, check out our show notes page for this episode. Over the past few months, I've been busy setting up affiliate links for all these options. So to avail of all sorts of trials and discounts, just go over to our show notes page, acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes for episode four at the bottom of the page. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks so much again to Rachel Marks for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more about Rachel and her Horsham-based home clinic, Oak Ridge Acupuncture, check out oakridge-acupuncture.co.uk. For questions about today's episode, again, I'd love to continue to hear from you. So get in touch at podcast at acupuncture-westlondon.com. Finally, don't forget to check out the show notes at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. To keep up to date with all of our upcoming episodes, sign up to our podcast newsletter. By doing so, you'll get your very own copy of my brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. Check out acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. See you next time.